Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to Tuesday Trots Live with Jason Bonington on SEN Track. Join the conversation today and text us on 0499 736 736. Hello and welcome to uh, Trots Live, Tuesday edition. Throat's a little bit scratchy, even more than normal. Um, we're going to have fun today. Uh, Breezing with Bond to start with, then uh, Matty Leopard will join us. And uh, much, much more as we lead up towards the Shepparton Cup on Saturday night. So the, uh, the Country Cups continue, of course. Big regional feature started at Bendigo and moves to Shepparton, then Ballarat, and then the Summer of Glory kicks in. But... First of all, before I get to Matty Lebanon, we'll have a broad discussion about many things in racing, but also get his tips of the day. Let's do the breezing with Bon. Have you got have you got the little stinger that used to be there, Tom Bang, or not? He's just shaking his head at me. No, no good. No chance. Fair enough. All right. Here we go. It's about the country cups. It's about uh, pro, pro, programming in general. Information overload is inevitable. Organically is it an inevitable organically intrinsic feature of post-postmodern existence. Human beings, courtesy of, the, courtesy of their inherent arrogance, blithely believe they're absorbing the most important elements of their environments at any given moment. Nothing could be further from the truth. Sometimes we are, most of the time we're not. There are precious few indisputable facts among the anarchy of our lives, but here is one. Wherever your focus lies at this very minute, whether it's listening to me or doing whatever the hell you're doing, um, washing the dishes or or vacuuming up some uh, uh, some fluff from the carpet, whatever you're doing right now, that focus precludes you from experiencing every other stimulus and every other reality on offer at that explicit moment. Like it or not, all living beings are always inherently ignorant of almost everything around them, and it's getting worse. Once, not so long ago, in fact, the second-by-second second option about where to cast our attentions remained comparatively limited. Now, they are almost infinite in nature. Should I eat now? Or call a friend or check Instagram or check Twitter or post on Twitter or watch Netflix or exercise or check Facebook or check Snapchat or hit deadlines or watch sport or play sport or respond to someone via those previously referenced social platforms or read, maybe have a drink or make the bed or do the dishes they're all available to you at any given time, and every time you choose one, you're not choosing all the rest. They call it the paradox of choice these days, and it's a very, very real thing. So many options, even when you go out for a meal these days, um, well, Chinese food's always been like this, hasn't it? But you go in for a meal, and there's about nine million options. Once upon a time, you used to go to the pub and say that you got a palm or a pie and something else, and that was your choice. Now you've got about nine million options, and every option you take is as I say, a decision to ignore all the other options available. Those marketing for their respective sports know this paradoxical, incredibly pervasive problem all too well. Here's the thing. Even if you choose to uh, ignore the million alternate options available at any given time, 
and you choose to focus your attention on consuming sport, which sport should you choose? In recent months, Victorian harness racing has assaulted its adherents and those prowling its periphery with a never-before-seen slew of feature racing. Starting in October, we've thrown the Vic Cup, Vic Derby, Vic Oaks, Breeders' Crown, Inter-Dominion and Vic Bread Super Series at Racing Tellus and promoted them with every possible resource at our disposal. Naturally, with so much ammunition fired, one might expect that this blitzkrieg is done. Yet nothing could be further from the truth. In many ways, the finest contest of all will transpire and materialise across the following five weeks. Or four now. But it'd be more than that. We'll talk about this in a second. Um, got the country cups I've already spoken about. Bendigo done on Saturday night. Shepparton and Ballarat paving a path to Melton's Hunter Cup centric summer of glory in late January and early Feb. One thing's certain, we'll all learn something between now and February form. On one hand, there's every chance that five more weeks of frenetic fervour may prove slightly more than uh, harness lovers or more to the point racing lovers with an outside interest in harness racing are willing to patronise. Maybe we are... We've already gone too far. I don't know what the fig, what the yeah, turnover figures were like on the Vic Bread Super Series, but um, it's only then that we'll know whether we've already gone too far. On the other hand, however, this avant-garde move to sandwich so much elite racing into four fantastic months may prove inspired. To some degree, you could say it already has. By trapping them early and refusing to relent, we may possibly have ensured that news that uh, new recruits and hardened constituents simply won't risk missing a veritable moment now they've found they're hooked. One group passionately hoping that the latter scenario prevails is Harness Racing New South Wales. Because, and here's the next serious kicker, this savage spring summer assault won't end at Melton on the first week of Feb. Soon afterward, you see, New South Wales must launch and maintain their Miracle Mile Carnival. Insular thinkers will contend that a shift in scenery is all that's required to mesmerise supporting patrons. In my opinion, however, my educated opinion, that's not the way the world works any longer. Indeed, there's a seriously solid argument that it never did. AFL, NFL, NRL, NBA and EPL matches are played throughout their governing nations. If you're watching from home, as the overwhelming majority do these days, your interest in location is negligible at best. To summarise this sermon which is actually less sermon than typically turgid query, really just asking questions about whether we've done the right thing or not, the next five weeks and the weeks which follow them should provide some learnings. If I have reservations, they are these. With so many funds and resources dedicated to last year's Inter-Dominion, do we have the bandwidth to honour our premier regional features in the Hunter Cup Carnival, which follows them right now to the level they deserve? I hope we do, but that's a question. And can we keep the hearts and minds of sporting zealots even longer than we already have? I hope so. Just a question. I hope and pray we can, not just because I live, love, breathe and eat the trots, but because the upcoming Hunter Cup Miracle Mile and Chariots of Fire will be bigger, better races probably than anything which came before them. And it would be utterly heartbreaking to think we'd played our grand final well before the standard bred champions upon which this sport lives and dies produced their best biggest marquee efforts. So that's a breeze for today. And to be honest, it's even playing out. So I'll give you an example. Uh, we just heard on the news a moment ago. It has been a boring summer of cricket, but Australia have dominated. So what Australia, what they've done now to try and keep the attentions of people, this is where success is in everything. Drama, drama can mean as much as success. Because right now, where we should be celebrating absolutely 
um, destroying West Indies and uh, South Africa. We're going back to the Justin Langer firing and um, exactly why that all went down and that players were on eggshells. I mean, no normal system, uh, no normal sporting system that you would consider uh, previously back in the day would be trying to cover up success with failure. But they're doing that because the dominance has all just been a little bit too boring and they need to do something to try and keep people's attention on cricket. And harness racing's got... A, uh, a significant, I won't say issue, but challenge ahead of it over the next four weeks, four and a half weeks, to try and keep the attentions that we've had for so long through so many massive uh, massive racing carnivals and asking people to follow and follow. Like I say, Vic Cup, Vic Derby, Vic Oaks, Breeders' Crown, in between that New Zealand Cup, uh, Inter Dominion, Vic Bread Super Series, it's a lot. It might be the right move. We might, pr- we might prove that by grabbing onto them, we can hold onto them. And if you let go, it's hard to get them back. But it'll just be uh, a challenging next few weeks to make sure that everyone uh, gets stuck into these races the way they should. Because as mentioned, I've got a funny feeling the Hunter Cup and Miracle Bowl are probably going to be better races than the Inter-Dominion Grand Final for the Pacers. Um, that we're going to have better trotting races than the Inter-Dominion Grand Final for the Trotters. And that races like the Chariots of Fire are just going to be unbelievable. So um, fingers and toes crossed. Time for a break. We'll come back with Matty Labarde. You're listening to Tuesday Trots Life with Jason Bonington. Didn't expect this song to come up, I've got to say. We're back on Tom Banks' cruise at the moment, I think. Some wonderful scenes of, uh, of Tom Bang up there singing a bit of Eminem. Uh, Maddie Lapard will join us in just a moment, the big cat, but... Interesting subject just raised uh, within the uh, three walls here. A young, a young intern named Adam actually just came in and spoke to me about it. Um, what is so? You've got your your name that you were birthed with, you were christened with by your parents, but do you feel like that person, or do you see these days you can identify as whatever you want? So, do you identify? Are you a are you a Tony who identifies as a Rick? Are you a Steve who identifies as an Alan? Are you a Melissa who identifies as a Sarah? Oh four double nine seven three six seven three six. If you don't feel your name corresponds with your personality, Matty Lapard is on the line. Does uh, do you feel like a Matt? Do you feel like a Matthew? Do you feel like a big cat? What do you feel like, Matty? I'm a Matthew who identifies as a Matt. <laughs> I hate being called Matthew and have ever since I was little. Um, but that's my name. But. Like even my parents don't really call me Matthew anymore. Oh, da- actually, my dad does sometimes. Um, but yeah, I, I hate being called Matthew. So yeah, Matt, it is. I I don't mind that. I don't. Uh, I don't hate. I, I don't hate the name Jason. I, I identify as a Jason more than Eric, which is my actual. I don't identify as an Eric at all, which is my actual birth name. But um, I like being called Bon. Or, or I don't mean like called Bonnington, but I'm definitely not an Eric, so I'm glad I didn't have to identify with that name. We move forward. Some tips from uh, Matty Lepard. Menangle, race two, we start with. What do we like here? Matt? Um, yes, Eric. So at, uh, at Menangle, there's only seven races today, but the first tip come, the, the first one I back comes up in race two. And it's number two, Maxwell Robin from Amanda Turnbull. So uh, we don't see Amanda take a team of horses to Menangle on a Tuesday all that often. Generally, we see it went on Wednesday at um, 
at Bathurst and then and then she might go into Menangle for the Metro card on the Saturday. But she takes a couple there today. And Maxwell Robin looks really well placed here. Uh, this is a former Kiwi. It's only had one run for Amanda. Um, and it was a dollar twenty favourite at Bathurst uh, between Christmas and New Year. It led and got beaten. But, I mean, like on face value, I thought disappointing originally. But it had to burn a really, really hard 27-4 first quarter, which is very, very quick for Bathurst. Um, just to hold the front. It only just got ran down late. So I can see less pressure here. It should have no issue sliding across number one ultimate ad. Um, the, the speed outside, it might be incognito number three for Darren Binskin. But as long as Amanda gets across number one, I'm actually not too fussed whether she leads or takes the sit on incognito because it'll lead and bowl along a bit. And on what we saw in the trial from Maxwell Robin before its Aussie debut, it actually goes really, really good um, with a sit uh, coming with one run. So... It's got options here. As long as it gets across the one horse, then it can either lead or take the sit on number three. And I think under either scenario, it's probably too good for them today, as long as it doesn't have to burn up a really quick first quarter again. So that's race two, number two. Race now, two, number yep. two. Yeah, just on an angle. Can we just um, uh, point out something, an initiative by Harness Racing New South Wales that is beginning today, and that is the fantasy uh, drivers, um, fantasy drivers competition. So... For those who are familiar with um, fantasy football in, in, in AFL and, and NRL, that sort of thing, um, and it's obviously big in American sports and also European soccer as well. So Harness Racing New South Wales have come up with a very interesting game, I guess you could say here, and it begins today. Um, the Nangle is the first meeting that it's, that it's, that's part of it. So essentially you choose a team of, of drivers. Um, they're divided into four regions. They're the same four regions that were from the, the regional championships, which are in March, uh, May each year. So there's the Metro region, the Hunter region, the Riverina and the Western. And um, and obviously Menangles meeting today is part of the, the metropolitan region. So um, looking online on their website, it's a very good website, easy to understand. And it looks like there's already hundreds of, of people that have chosen teams. So this is a really interesting initiative to try and generate more interest uh, and get people watching the sport, which obviously then leads to betting on the sport as well. So um, I'm actually surprised that uh, Victoria, Harness Racing Victoria, haven't thought of, thought of this sort of thing in the past because normally HRV are light years ahead of New South Wales in regards to coming up with uh, interesting initiatives. So full credit to New South Wales. They're trying something new to generate interest. And um, I've certainly chosen my team. And... Um, and then once you choose your team, you can actually go into leagues. Um, so with against your other friends, things like that, just like you can in, in fantasy football. So kudos to um, to Harness Racing New South Wales, and hopefully it pans out for them. Well, this is um, probably a couple of things here. One is I, I was actually thinking about in the second hour of today's show getting somebody on from um, the marketing team at uh, Harness Racing New South Wales to discuss this a little bit further and get the fine details. I guess the, the Victoria were... Um, I can't remember what we called it, but you know those competitions we've run where uh, you can pick uh, four or five or six horses through a carnival um, that all have a lot of number of points associated with them. You would have played that game. I know what you're talking about, but I never actually did. You never played it. So I guess guess that was um, the shot across the bow. These things are um, particularly difficult to to organise, and it's a reason why I think – Supercoach sort of uh, peaked out and then dropped away. But I, it's the fine detail of this one that I'm interested in. So it's more the league. So I, I will try and get somebody on. But if you've got the answers, I'm going to ask you one. Is it a draft situation? Do you, you surely can't have all the big guns 
from everywhere and just say, I'm going to ha- I'm going to have the number one driver from uh, all the different regions. So is it a draft yeah, situation? It, it's a salary cap. So Salary um, cap. Yeah. So, and then draft uh, if you're in a league, maybe. Uh, no, no. So everyone has a salary cap. I think it was $14.4 million. Okay. And um, so that each each driver is assigned a value. So I think the most expensive was Cameron Hart. He was about $1.3 million. I think Jack Callaghan was about 1.2, and then Amanda Turnbull was was next at just over 1 million, I think. And then it goes right down to sort of the part timers who barely ever drive. They're about 200,000. So you choose four from um, each of the regions, except the the metro region. I think it shows five or six. Um, and there's only so it's not every single Menangle, uh, sorry, not every New South Wales meeting. It's only six selected meetings per week, which run from Tuesday through to Saturday each week. I think. Um, so Menangle today is the first one of those. But yeah, to answer your question, it's a salary cap system. So anyone, so everyone could have Cameron Hart in their team if they chose to to spend up and, and use his expensive um, costing as part of their salary cap. Yeah, very interesting. And uh, there's always uh, there's always a right strategic way to play these things. But I, I'm I'm interested in it myself. So I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna find out a little bit more. And I think it is a great initiative. Uh, and these are the things. Uh, that get people involved that uh, – so how do we put this delicately? We're not trying to make everybody have a bet, right? But the first thing you need to do is enjoy a sport. And then if you enjoy a sport, you'll be more likely to bet on it. Now, the number of people who have turned to footy, for instance, AFL footy, as their number one betting medium, why is the reason for that? Big Cat, it's because they love the sport to start with, isn't it? It's not that they desperately right. think that it's the greatest betting option because, to be quite honest, it can't be. It isn't the best betting option, but they enjoy the sport and then they want to have a bet. Yeah, you've got to get people interested in the sport before they then feel like they want to invest in. And then, look, I'm personally somebody who's who gets more invested in the horses than the people. I love the people in the sport, but I fall in love with the, the horses. But... Um, one thing New South Wales has got, and I was, I was having a, um, a good little discussion about uh, this with uh, a former colleague the other day, is that New South Wales do have a very strong contingent of, uh, ha- again, how do we put this diplomatically, young, uh, attractive participants that would get young people into just following them, first of all, if you know what I mean. Yeah, and one thing that New South Wales do, which Victoria don't uh, really do, is driver colours. Um, so even um, like all, all the big name drivers that you'll see driving around at Menangle today, they're generally driving in their driver colours. So Jack Callaghan is in his black and yellow. Cameron Hart's in his blue and yellow. Amanda's always in her red, white and yellow. So, oh, sorry, red, white and blue. So uh, in Victoria, generally they're still using trainer colours. So I, I don't have an opinion either way whether we should use trainer colours or driver colours, but the fact that New South Wales do use driver colours it, it sort of um, makes it easier for for people in this competition to follow their specific drivers as well because they'll know which colours they're looking for. So two key points. Um, so there's 25 rounds or 25 weeks that this runs for. So the first week, you're already locked out. I think it locked out at midnight last night. So if you haven't got a team yet, it's too late for this week, but you can still join in week two next week for the remainder of the season. And secondly, for you, Bonners, if you were trying to get someone, then Paul Cochran from New South Harness Race New South Wales would be the person to try and get on your show to talk about it because he, um, he's the, the head media guy for the for Harness Race New South Wales. And my understanding is it's actually his brainchild, this competition. Um, he's the one that, that has developed it and come up with it. Outstanding. Well, we will be doing that, no doubt about it. That's... Um... 
it's 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 pretty. I, I, I love to see initiatives like this. I don't. You, you you always have to look behind the curtain and find out well how much did it cost to set up and all the rest of it because you got to redeem your money. It's like when we're, it's when we do major coverages or um, whatever it might be. Uh, there's a, there's an expense that goes along with it. So I know from the outside looking in, sometimes for people everything looks like it's great, but. If it's new, um, but you've got to sort of work out and say, well, what are the what's it trying to do? Um, how do we measure that? And in, the, in this way, you can't exactly measure it. But I, I just like the idea of getting people involved, enjoying the sport, because it's a great way of getting even kids to want to be watching. They don't have to; be, they're not allowed to bet yet, and they don't have to have a bed. But by the time that they do get to be eighteen, if they've been playing this competition since they were thirteen or fourteen, they're going to be totally invested in the sport, and they're going to be lifelong lovers of it. And then they will contribute in various ways, including the pun. Just quickly before we get onto any more tips, we I think I have discussed this with you before, Big Cat. But as an owner these days, in particular, I would have assumed you weren't that into drivers' colours. Um, well, I. At, whether I have an opinion on drivers' colours or not has nothing to do with owning. It's more the punting. Doing the form, being able to do the form mm. quickly. By when you're watching replays, you, you like I've got, as you know, I'm going through a lot of states today with tipping. I, I'm, I'm getting through a hell of a lot of form, and I want to be able to do that quickly and efficiently. And to do that, I need to be when I'm watching race replays, I need to be able to know exactly which horse is which, without having to go and sort of check or listen to the call. Like I just you know, trainers' colours as well as drivers' colours, don't you? Yeah, yeah. But I, I actually find it's easier to probably do form quickly yeah. if if they're wearing their trainer's colours, yeah. um, just because they're therefore always racing in the same colours, whereas drivers sort of chop and change between horses, and therefore the same horse might have five different drivers five weeks in a row. And therefore, when you're quickly whizzing through the form trying to do the replays, it can be a bit trickier and more time-consuming if they're wearing different colours each week. Um, race three was the next one. We'll only get this one out, and then we'll go to the news, and we'll come back. Plenty more uh, tips to come, but um, some great information from the big cat there. Third event at Menangle. Parallel were favourite for Team Morris at $2.30. Thoughts? Yeah, he gets his chance today, Parallel. Um, he's not much of a horse. He's only a little speedy little weak thing, but I think he, he the, the planets have all aligned for him today to lead and win. Um, he does have gate speed. He comes out of gate four. Um, Robbie Morris goes back on, and when Robbie Morris drives the, the Morris horses, that's when they I find that they go the best. So um, this horse has a terrific record when he leads. He's a sort of horse that you can't run along too hard and you can't bring off the bit too early. You've sort of got a kid to him and keep him on the bit even halfway up the straight because once you let him down, sometimes there's not all that much there. So he's a real confidence horse. But every time he leads, he generally goes really, really well and runs his best races in front. And at, his, at his best, he has shown that he can lead and go 154, which I think would be good enough to lead and win today. Ripstone Snort is going to be sitting on his back and um, he has not much of a desire to win races. Uh, he's zero from 27, but he'll he'll follow speed well. And, and out wide are Operative Anna and Louisiana Freedom are also the other dangers, but I can't really see how they can win if off the pegs, given that Parallel can lead and, and as we've seen in the past, is capable of going 154. So 270 into 230, um, he's a deserved favourite. Looks the obvious leader and looks no pressure, so he'll be able to dictate and run the race at his tempo, Robbie Morris, and therefore race three, number four, parallel, looks hard to beat. Race three, number four, parallel, the one to beat there in the third. Plenty more tips at Menangle and around the country coming up. But for now, let's find out what's happening in the world. You're listening to Tuesday Trots Life with Jason Bonington. I'm coming back, coming back. 
race four is the next uh, race we're tipping in. We're going to go to Albion Park and Tamworth as well, but we've gone to races two, three, and four now. So nice little, hopefully we can get some, uh, well, three collects in a row by 3.47. What do we like here, Big Cat? Yeah, interesting little race, race four. I, I think there's two main chances, and, and neither of them are the current favourite. So I think the two main chances are numbers one, Gentle Giant, and two, Polka Dot Delight. The favourite is Cut Catler's Dream, number six, for Davy Morris and Leon Jude. But at the price, I'm hard against it. I think it's it's massive unders. Um, so the map looks somewhat obvious here to me. Gentle Giant looks the leader. Polka Dot Delight will slot straight down onto its back. And and therefore, I think they're the main two. Cutler's dream will be either working forward to the breeze or having to sit back and come with one run. So I just thought it was crazy short and couldn't go near it at that price. But um, I sided with number one, Gentle Giant, for Tian Sutton, um, trainer and driver, Tian Sutton. Um, this is a horse that it's actually racing really well. Um, it, it races best when it's up on speed, either leading or in the breeze. Two starts back, I went really well in 154 from the breeze and was very strong through the line. So for that sort of type of horse that needs to be up on speed rolling along, the barrier draw is perfect today. Um, it's the first time it's drawn one in quite a while and it looks like it has the gate speed to, to lead. I don't think there's a lot of gate speed to its outside, out wider, so I'm not sure if anything will take a shot at the start. And uh, and if it does lead comfortably, then Tian can run her race and I think she's in front she's capable of running uh, sort of high 153s, which would nearly be good enough to get away with this. The main danger, Polka Dot Dance, is a real sit-sprinting type. Um, only has a short sprint on it, but this is the perfect draw for it to show that sprint. So it's the one that I'm worried about. But um, the one that I've backed is, is number one, Gentle Giant. Race four, number one for Tian Sutton. Race four, number one for Tian Sutton there, Gentle Giant. Uh, race seven is the final race we're playing in at New South Wales Harness Headquarters today. Favourite there is Have You Checked In? So you have if you're going for a flight somewhere. Some chevrons in the market there, Daggy Land. There's been no significant movement here. The only one they've really nibbled is probably outside fighter and maybe Swedish meatballs. Swedish meatballs. Which one do you like, Big Cat? Yeah, I'm, I've had a place-only bet here, and that's race seven, number six, outside fighter for Soph Arvidsson, former Victorian, and Joe Mora. Um This is a horse that absolutely hates winning, but it absolutely loves running a place. Um it's sort of horse that if it hits the front too soon, it, it sort of pulls up and waits for them. And for that reason, it doesn't win very often. But since its last win, it's had um, about 20 starts and been placed in oh, about 13 or 14 of them. So it's a professional place getter. And for that reason, I was happy to back at a place today. They were betting around the 230 mark earlier. If you shop around now, there is still 220 out there. Um, if you if you shop out wide and have a look around, there is 220 out there. Um it's not the sort of horse that's going to fire straight out and lead. Um, it, it's best driven with a sit because it loves to follow a helmet and just be safe for one short sprint. Because as I said, if it hits the front too far out, it just sort of waits for them. So it's certainly not a leader. But as long as Soph can sort of time her run and get some nice running line cover and settle midfield in the running line, then it's certainly going well enough to to run into the placings. Last start, beaten 10 metres in 152 by Reactor Factor, another ex-Victorian who's also in at Menangle today. And um, a similar sort of effort by the horse today should definitely see him in the placings again. So, as I said, I wouldn't necessarily be backing him to win because he, he just doesn't like the winning post, but he loves just um, being in amongst the bunch up near the finish, uh, up near the front, and, and being in amongst the placings. So the race seven, number six, outside fighter for Soph Arvidsson. It's a good lesson, isn't it? For um, I, I don't think just harness racing. For all three codes, it it, it works where there are uh, racing animals, greyhounds, thoroughbreds, and standardbreds, 
that for whatever reason don't love to win. And the beauty of it is it's very, very, very much reflected, typically speaking, Big Cat, on that winning placing strike rate. And it's not a hard thing to work out. If they've had 50 starts, two wins and 20 placings, well, it tells you a story, doesn't it? Mm. Like this horse, he's had a, today's start number 101. He's only won 9% of them, but he's been placed in 46% of his starts. That's it. So, yeah. So, I mean, like, you've got to remember, these, they, this is a horse race. It's not a human race. In a human race, you can tell humans where the finish line is and they know where they're running to and they know what the aim of the game is. In horses, you can't tell them, look, there's the winning post and you've got to be first past that post. So some horses probably just sort of think, they've got to just race against the other horses, the aims to get to the front. And then they don't realise that once they get to the front, that their job's not yet done. Uh, and and therefore, you know, that's why some horses do seem to knock up a lot of place. Like, and, and another example is Make Mine Memphis up in Queensland. Um, he Every time he, he hits the front too early, he just knocks off and waits for them. He's a very, very good horse. And he would follow speed against inter-dominion class horses, but sometimes he's running around in middle-grade Queensland-type races and still doesn't win because he puts his nose in front and then waits for them. So he's another example of um, outside fighter. And these these types of horses, they're great place-betting propositions, um, but they're just a nightmare to ever back for a win. I'm not going to name names, but there's even some very good horses going around at the moment who I think are in that category. Um, But... And I'm trying to think of one. Are we, are we talking like inter-dominion type horses? Yeah, the real good horse. Yeah, no, yeah, top quality horses who I think um, uh, have a little bit of a think about it. It's like, I mean, we call them, it's funny because in one way you're saying, well, they're not thinking about where they need to win and yet um, we call them thinkers sometimes, don't we? There's some horses who um, appear to have a little bit of a think about it and and it usually happens as they get older because – Two-year-old, two-year-olds and even early three-year-olds run on adrenaline, don't they? So most of the time they're not um, they're not having too much of a thing about it. But you will notice horses who loom up and decide not to run past, or loom up and get close and say that's good enough, or loom up and hit the front. And as soon as they hit the front, they let something else run past them. There's more than one way to skin a cat, and there's more than one way that these horses um, sometimes find a way to get to clat to snatch uh, or clutch defeat from the jaws of victory. Uh, yeah, that's probably the best way. Of, you're, of, to, you're, just, um, you're, 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 you're you're still trying to think who I'm talking about. There's not one. There's not just one. There's a couple, but there's. I'm not going to say. Um, let's move on to Albion Park. You've got uh, two bets there. We're going to start with race four. What a roll is the two dollar fifty favourite. I've got a question for you after this one as well. Okay. Yeah. Um, race four, and I am siding with number uh, number two. What a roller. So. This, uh, no, sorry, number three, what a roller. This is um, a reasonably good quality race. So a lot of these horses do run around on Saturday nights up at Albion Park. And what a roller. He has very good gate speed. He, in general, he used to always cross to the pegs and then hand up to something. But last time when, uh, last run, he actually worked to the front. Peg McMullen went 153 flat on him. And I think that's probably good enough to get the job done again today. The only query is that he's got a stablemate to his inside and a stablemate to his outside, both from the Dixon team. So I'm just hoping that, um, like, I think he can probably cross-stomp him for, for speed, but I'm just hoping that uh, Team Dixon doesn't try something here by trying to hold Water Roller to sort of aid. We always have faith. It, it, as long as everything's kosher, then I think Water Roller rolls to the top here and can lead and hold. And if, as I said, if he goes 153 again, then that's probably just about good enough to get away with it because I think his main danger is going to be to his outside. I don't think Stompham's a danger. I think we always have faith. 
Carlo Bradley, Bradley Kanye, Crusader, they're, they're probably the dangers and they're drawn to his outside. So that's race four, number three. What a roller for Talia McMullen because I think Pete might be suspended at the moment. Yeah, I think so. Yes, well, he's not in any of these races, is he? So um, I uh, I think you are right. We'll, we'll get through one more before I ask this question, actually. Race eight at, uh, at Albion Park. Not a very open market. Uh, court site favourite at three dollars thirty. Lord of Misrule three seventy. Delta three five dollars five fifty. Uh, Cheetah Lodge and the one that they've come for is has been primarily court site who was open five dollars then into three forty pretty quickly and now three thirty. Is that who you're going with? Yeah, I'm with court site um, for Jack Butler and Jonah Hutchinson here. This is a former Riverina horse who spent a little bit of time with Alex Ashwood in Victoria, and it now finds itself up in Queensland. So. It's a very fast horse, got very, very good speed, not a lot of bottom to it. So what we saw last time, in my opinion, a career best performance, it went 154.7 in front. It runs a very, very good 1,400 metres, this horse, and then the last 200, it just really knocks up. And when it when it gets tired, its last 100 can be terrible. Um, last time, it looked like it was going to win by 20 metres, and then it pulled up the last 100 and fell in by two metres. So... It's the sort of horse that, a bit like parallel what I spoke about earlier at Menangle, you've got to, if you're leading and rolling along, you, you've got to try and keep it on the bit and keep it confident for as long as you can because once you bring it off the bit, then the horse sort of dogs it a bit. So I'm just hoping Jonah um, can get that right today. He has driven it once before, but he didn't lead on it that time. So I think it's got the gate speed to cross. We know it can go 154. Uh, it's just a matter of whether it can hold on that last 100. But uh, I thought that's $5.00 that they were betting last night. I was happy to find out. So that's race eight, number five, Quartzite, who looks the leader and, and hopefully can cling on that last hundred. All right. And uh, all right, well, we've only got one more. So you've, you've spread uh, the wings even out to Tamworth today for race three. Um, and there'll be uh, drivers in that as part of that, uh, that fantasy competition. But we'll talk about that a little bit more even later. What do you like here? Prodigal Guinness, dollar sixty-five. Yeah, I, I don't bet at Tamworth. At all, like generally Tamworth's on my barred list, just like <laughs> South Australia and um, and Tasmania. But this is the first night of their carnival, which sort of runs for the next couple of weeks. The, the highlight being the Golden Guitar, which is um, uh, it used to be worth fifty thousand. Yeah. I think it's only worth thirty these days. But so you will see some some nice metro sort of class horses bobbing up, coming up from Sydney over the next few weeks. But there's a race here tonight which just caught my eye, and um, I'm with race three, number one, Nelly Big Time. Um, they put up Prodigal Guinness at a dollar forty, and I think they must have priced that based on the assumption that it was going to roll straight to the top. But I can almost guarantee you that Nelly Big Time Michael Formosa over over the mile around Tamworth, I'm pretty sure he'll want to lead. Um, Tamworth, for those who haven't seen it, it's uh, it's only a 750 metre track. Uh, it's only 150 metres straight, and it's very very peg biased. So if the leader leads and runs along, it makes it almost impossible for anything off the pegs to win, uh, except for Leap to Fame, who we saw go there for a, a Breeders' Challenge heat a while back, and he actually sat in the breeze in track record time and still won, but that's Leap to Fame. Prodigal Guinness is no Leap to Fame. So what we saw last time from Nelly Big Time at Newcastle, she led and went 154.5. She only got home in 30, but her first three quarters of 27, 28, 27, she really latched on and started pulling. So... Over the mile today, she runs a very quick first 1,200. It's going to make it mission impossible for anything off the pegs. And therefore, at $6, I was happy to 
to backer and, and, and find out. The, the main danger might be number seven. He's a shadow player who's going to be sitting right on her back. Uh, as I said, it might become a pegs, pegs, pegs type of race, and therefore I'd be steering clear of the ones off the pegs. And I'm happy to sort of base my betting around number one, Nelly Big Time. And, and if people wanted to have a saver, maybe number seven, he's a shadow player, given that he's sitting right on his back. So Nelly Big Time's another one, just like we spoke about with... Um, uh, with Quartzite and Parallel, it's a sort of horse where you've got to leave it on the bit for as long as you can because once you bring her off the bit, there's generally not much there. So you've just got to let her sort of run her race and then just sit there and hold on and, and hopefully not let her off the bit too early because once she does, she might not find too much. So I'm just hoping, like Quartzite, she can just hold on that last 100, but uh, I certainly would not go anywhere near the favourite prodigal Guinness because I can't see it finding the pegs. Uh, so a, a good pot there at the at the odds on price. So race three, number one, Nelly Big Time is the bet and uh, definitely potting number two, Prodigal Guinness at the price. Very much appreciate your time, Big Cat. We're going to uh, have to say goodbye, but in a word, because we've done the tutorial with you before at least once, maybe on two occasions, given you're moving these at mar- so many of these markets early on, just in a word, because we haven't got heaps of time, we'll talk about this more on another occasion. How often do you lay back? Or, 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 or is it 90, 80 to 90% of the time you, you'll let it ride regardless of even of even if you're uh, if you're getting that nice little arbitrage um, give back by the fact you've moved the market so far? I lay back 0% of the time. 0%? 0%. That, is, that, that, that seems wild to me under the circumstances, but oh, I, I guess it's, it's, it's a, a, it's a mindset. A punter, a punter, not a trader. Yeah, and it's a – well, we talk about – that's right. Punting personality, they're two very different things. Um, uh, is a trader still a punter? More questions we can discuss on another occasion, but we very much appreciate your time, Big Cat, uh, and good luck on all those tips and puns today. Thanks, Jase. And I, w- I will not see you up at Shepparton Cup, unfortunately, Saturday night. That's my hometown cup, which I always love getting oh. up to. But I'm actually on I'm actually on babysitting duties with the kids uh, Saturday night because my wife is going to see Elton John at Amy Park. So um, I'll put it, I'll put the kids to bed before race one, and then and then dig into the betting. Oh, jeez. Yeah. We'd love to so have I, you there, I Big be, Cat. I should be at, I'm hopefully going to get to Ballarat Cup and Hunter Cup. Well, I'd, I'd, I'd say if you're going to give up uh, Shepparton Cup, you'll be at Ballarat and Hunter Cup. There's been the big cat. He won't be there at Shepparton, but he'll be there as the Summer of Glory kicks in Ballarat and also the Hunter Cup. Time for a break when we return. Uh, I'll just let you know what's happening in the second hour, basically. That's what I'm going to do. Back in a moment. Oh, wow. Wow. You're listening to Tuesday Trots Life with Jason Bonington. And in the bad times I fear myself. People still love that song. We were singing it. My car on the way back from sale, but people still love it. Bradley Cooper, Lady Gaga. Can you feel the sexual chemistry? Anyway, maybe you can, maybe you can't. It's uh, Trot's Life. Um, we'll be back relatively soon. And when we return, uh, 12 o'clock, catching up with uh, Tim O'Connor from Harness Racing Victoria. He's spoken to David Aiken. He's got some news for us and an update on Marques Duoso, who uh, galloped seemingly um, uh, for no reason. Well, he just wasn't good. He wasn't at his best. Didn't really fly the gate and then galloped in the Outer Baron Park, Mouldy Mile. But um, just prior to that, he was... 
uh, he'd won his fifth group one for the season and the Aurora Australis is upon us. I'd love maybe, Jim, even to give us, if you're listening to him, a full outline of what the Aurora Australis uh, comprises and what you can win. I think it's a $50,000 bonus in the first race was the Elder Baron Park multi-mile at Lord's Raceway last Saturday night, but there's a whole slew of races that make up this Aurora Australis series and the 50 large as a bonus for winning that series is enormous. I mean, that's another group one. So um, I would expect many of the trainers and owners and drivers would already know, but um, even I'm slightly in the dark about it. So I'd, I'd like to have it outlined exactly what races comprise the Aurora Australis series. And we'll do that with Tim O'Connor along with these other updates and then come back and hopefully have a squeeze beyond that at a couple of the fields. They won't be at the full fields for Shepparton until one thirty, so after Trot's Live is done, but hopefully the great Paul Oxenford can flick me a couple of those fields so we can have a look at them. And based on that little chat that I had earlier with uh, Matty Lepide, we might try and get hold of Paul Cochran and talk a little bit about fantasy harness racing, which begins today. The concept is uh, largely based around trying to get um, people associated with um, particular drivers, get them to follow the sport, even if you're not having a bed. It's a gateway drug. Right. Let's go to our final break in the first hour. And when we return, uh, Michael Thompson will just let you know that we'll be back on air from 12 until 1. And then I'll be back at 12 with Tim O'Connor. Back soon. Welcome to Tuesday Trots Life with Jason Bonington on SEN Track. Join the conversation today and text us on 0499 736 736. To be loved. Welcome back. Hour two of uh, Trots Live here on a Tuesday on SEN Track. And Tim O'Connor joins us. How are you, my friend? Hey, Bon. Uh, did you tee that song up for us? Because you know I like that one. I think we bopped away to that on the way to Crown Casino one night. It's an absolute belter. No doubt about it. Um, it is as good as Lizzo will ever go in her entire life. A um, little bit of news. You've spoken to the, the great David Aiken about a... Horse named after a place I used to live, Cranbourne, who's coming over from New Zealand. Yeah, that's right. It's uh, you've always got to clarify that you're talking about Cranbourne the horse, not Cranbourne the place. But you talk about this pacer. But uh, for those that follow New Zealand harness racing, they'll know plenty about him. Uh, he's one of their sort of free for all horses. His career record: forty four starts, twelve wins. Um, he's been purchased by uh, one of David Aiken's friends in the USA. Uh, Steve Finkelstein is his name, and. Uh, previous his own previous horses such as Leonidas who used to race here for David Aiken um, so they've got a long good relationship and Cranburn's the latest purchase for them so he has been at Aiken Stable about three weeks I'm told and he's just been drawn uh, barrier four uh, in Saturday night Shepherd and Gold Cup so he'll step out for his first Australian start for Aiken um, at Shepherd and on Saturday night and the plan is to race him through some of our big races. Um, David's talking about taking him to Sydney for the Miracle Mile heats. Uh, I'm sure races like the Ballarat Cup and the Hunter Cup and stuff like that will be on the radar if he sort of stacks up. But um, And then the plan is to take him over to the USA uh, and drop him off over there, but spend a bit of time there and help him settle in. So I think Ake, before he got uh, sick with his prostate cancer diagnosis, was planning to, to go over the USA and, and spend some time over there and he's going to do it this time around. So probably late March he'll head over with uh, Cranbourne and uh, and leave him there for someone else to train, but um, we'll get to see the best of him for the next, you know, two or three months. 
Um, and it's it's nice to have a little bit more uh, external influence, I guess, because for a long period of time, as we know, during the pandemic, there was very, very, very little horse movement. But even since then, there's probably only been bits and bots, hasn't there? So um, what we really want when we get to these, uh, the biggest of the big races, we want um, the best Queensland horse going down. We want the best WA horse over here. We want to send the best of ours over to these places. And New Zealand definitely fits um, comfortably into that mix. We had Cobby that here. He he wasn't as good as we expected him to be through his Victorian preparation. Same went for Rock and Roll Do um, the other way around. So uh, we want more Kiwi horses over here for the big races, don't we? Absolutely, yeah. Um, and, uh, we, you know, I've got a, a little sharing uh, for my Kiwi. He's not up to the elite level, but, um, no, nah, for sure. It's fantastic. And as I said, David Aiken. Uh, planned to, to travel last year and I guess the first question I asked him was um, how you're traveling personally and health-wise and uh, he was really upbeat and positive he said he feels really well in himself all the reports have been good so far so um, yeah that was the most important thing because obviously yeah we spoke um, I don't know what it be Bond three four five months ago when he revealed uh, his prostate cancer diagnosis so yeah good just good to hear him uh, you know he's in good spirits his team in Shepherd and there um, um, up that way is you know decreased a bit, no doubt. And um, but yeah, he's really happy with the size they've got now. And Josh Aiken, his son, uh, is working another job. I think it's like in youth, um, looking after disadvantaged youth. So yeah. he's not driving, like you'd notice, because um, he has to work a lot of Saturdays, which takes him away from from driving. But he's, I think, he's earning a pretty good quid <laughs> in the job. So. He's still involved in the stable, doing some work there in the mornings and bits and pieces, but just can't do the driving uh, on Saturday nights. I think um, I think it, it's it's only natural for people in racing and in harness racing, in particular, to think that if you've got um, some opportunities, that you know you have to do you have to be in harness racing. But the truth is that it's a big wide world out there, isn't it? And Josh has always appealed to me as a young man that's got. A range of interest outside of harness racing, and one suspects it'll it'll be there. It'll be there when he wants to come back. But if he wants to spend his time uh, helping out disadvantaged youths, I think that's that's a relatively good good use of his uh, his time and his skills. I would imagine you don't necessarily have to be uh, deep in the rabbit hole all the time, do you? I think sometimes it's better for the mental health of a lot of people to go out and and do a couple of different things and experience a bit of um, uh, some other aspects of life. And I applaud Josh for doing that. Yeah, and uh, I was talking to David about it, and hes I think he's done a course, or, you know, he's studied for, for this type of work, and, you know, it's been a bit of a, a career path. So he's, um, yeah, he's really enjoying the job. And as I said, it, it takes him out of a lot of Saturday nights. Um, but... I guess that's a small price to pay when um, I won't say exactly what he was getting paid, but I think it was pretty handsome, you know, to, to do some really important work and, uh, you know, gets financially rewarded, but also really enjoys the, the rewarding work he's doing. So, yeah, it was more just, uh, you know, you'd notice yourself, Bond, you see a lot of David Aiken horses running around with other drivers and you just hadn't seen Josh around. So I was just wondering what he was up to. So still involved, uh, helping out in the mornings and, and doing all that sort of stuff. And I think he's a little bit disappointed he can't be driving uh, this new acquisition, Cranbourne, you know, because he's going to race through some of the big races. But um, Nathan Jack's been booked to drive him going forward. He'll take the drive on Saturday night uh, in the Shepherd and Gold Cup and, you know, all going well. He'll partner him through the other big races that he can test before he heads off to the US. And if you check your inbox, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm reliably informed Paul Oxenford has sent you the fields for Saturday night. He has, and uh, we'll be having a look at them straight after the chat that I have with you. Now, I'm wondering how much Josh Aiken's getting paid to do this work. It sounds, sounds very good. Um, Majestuoso, a little update on uh, him after a run that we probably weren't expecting the Elder Baron Park Mouldy Mole on Saturday night at Bendigo. Yeah, I spoke to Andy yesterday just for a quick chat. And, um, yeah, look, I just wanted to touch base because I did say he was uh, vetted after that Mary Mile. Of course, he, he galloped in the first uh, occasion when there was a false start. And then going down the back straight the final time, he galloped again uh, in the race. So he, I think he ended up finishing second last in that race. And um, Andy reported to the stewards that uh, the horse was lame afterwards and had some issues with uh, one of his hocks, which I think he's had prior. So um, he's had some uh, treatment on those. Uh, that treatment means he'll be out of action for 14 days. So it's a stand-down period of 14 days. Uh, that means, I guess importantly, he'll miss the second leg of the Aurora Australis series, which he won last year. It's an eight-leg series uh, that takes in all the, the good trotting races through January and February. So he'll miss the second leg of that and um, didn't pick up any points in the first leg. So... Uh, he's behind the eight ball if he wants to chase that uh, $50,000 bonus. But, um, yeah, so he'll bypass the EB Cochrane, uh, the, the free-for-all group race uh, on Ballarat Cup night on the 21st. And then, yeah, he, um, you know, all systems go. Andy's confident the, the treatment will work and he'll be right to go uh, as he defends his title in the Great Southern Star in, in early February. So what is the uh, – just outline again, do you know what races are com- – prized within this Aurora Australia series? I do. Uh, I just opened up that tab before because I thought you might ask me that. So uh, it kicked off on Saturday night. So as I said, it's eight races uh, through January and February. The first leg was the Maori Mile on Saturday night, uh, which was won by Aldebaran Zeus at a big price in a very entertaining race. Um, and then the second leg is the EB Cochrane Trotters Cup on Ballarat Cup night, the 21st of January. The third leg is the VL Dullard Trotters Cup at Melton on January 28th. So I'd assume Majestuoso would be back for that bond just to give him a run before the Great Southern Star heats and final, uh, which are also legs of the series on February 3 at Melton. And then uh, the final two legs, the Night Pistol at Melton on February 11, and the very final leg, the Australian Trotting Grand Prix uh, at Melton on February 25. That race uh, from memory last year, Majestuoso beat I'm Ready Jet in the photo finish to actually win the Aurora Australia. So it come down to the very last stride, basically, in a photo finish in that race. So, um, yeah, and then uh, the, the $50,000 went to Norm Jenkin, uh, who um, I'm told might have flicked a bit the way of the stable too, just to be uh, kind for all their efforts, which was nice of him. <laughs> Rich, get richer. Um a couple of other quick ones before I'll let you go. Now, I, I, I know you would have probably been like me and many others, uh, allowing Adam Hamilton to probably be the conduit uh, to Michael Stanley following that um, significant injury on Saturday night at, uh, at Lord's Raceway Bendigo when Rock and Roll Do was uh, pulled out of the Bendigo Cup. And as he was being pulled out, uh, Nick copped a, a really heavy knock from the knee of the eventual winner, Major Meister. But um, I, I guess you know as much as, as we know that uh, he's got those three lumbar fractures um, and he's going to be out for a period of time. And, and the follow-up news from that we're hearing, of course, via Adam on, on socials, is that the seven-time Hunter Cup winning driver, Anthony Butt, will take over as the as the man to uh, to steer rock and roll do. And the good news is that rock and roll do is fine because I can tell you what, as you know about racetracks, there was plenty of 
conjecture going on about exactly what went on with rock and roll. Do first concern was obviously Mick, and then once uh, Mick was uh, whisked off to hospital, people were um, people all had their own ideas about what might have happened to rock and roll. Do but it all sounds okay. Yeah, that's right. No, you, you've summed that up really well. Um, the only part that I can really add is that uh, he trialled last night on at Geelong, your hometown, and uh, for more reports, trial well. He won the trial. Anthony Butt drove him in the trial. Uh, got around safely, did it all good, hit the line nicely. And, um, yeah, he'll be right to go for the Ballarat Cup on the 21st of January. Of course, that's Mick's hometown cup. And, yeah, all the thoughts of everyone in harness racing uh, were with him straight after the race because it looked like a, you know, I mean, you were on track and it looked like a very nasty incident. So once uh, he was off the hospital uh, and the reports come back that, you know, he was... Um, doing okay, which was the main thing, yeah, that people started to look towards rock and roll doing just what happened there. So, yeah, it was obviously a strange incident. Uh, I think I've read that Mick thought he was choking down in the run and decided to pull him out. But, um, yeah, just uh, at a bad time, given that sort of the horses were peeling tree wide at the same point in time. And obviously that incident happened. And just touching on that incident, what that, that win of Major Meister uh, to, to recover from that, knock, you know, getting hampered by rock and roll do to get down and run past the entire field of good open class grand circuit horses. It, it, that was one of the biggest performances I've seen in recent times. I can't think of a many big, bigger performances in big races than that one. It's going to be really interesting, isn't it? Because right now he's um, he's got to be nearly top rater. I mean, rock and roll do, along with rock and roll do, who we know how good he is at his best. But then you've got Shepparton to come, and then you've got Ballarat, and what what else will emerge? The only it was a massive performance. Don't get me wrong, enormous. The only little funny thing about the race was how how small the margins were, down to about uh, you know seventh or eighth. And there's horses like Art Tudor and Bernie Winkle in there, beating less than ten meters, and that that's going to be the question mark. Where does that actually? Where is that going to sit when we get to the Hunter Cup and the Miracle Mile? That's my only question mark. But yeah, the win was just massive. As we were discussing on Metrospective yesterday with Steve Cleaver, I was. Um, it's not the it's not the ground that you lose; it's the momentum, isn't it? And for him at that point of the race to lose that kind of momentum, and then still sweep on by, and he could have even gotten close to um, new stablemate Sicario and said, "Well, I've done a massive job; that'll do me." But he put his head down, knuckled down, and wanted to win. Uh, so his three runs with Jason Grimson have just been outrageous. They've been enormous. Um, yeah, no doubt. And yeah, you're right. Um, I mean, for anyone who was in play punting in that race, I would have thought Sicario was a pretty warm favourite, you know, as they approached the turn, given he was well on the market. Uh, he'd been supported and he had that sweet run in behind the leader. So, yeah, an enormous performance. As I said, just one of the biggest performances that I can recall in recent times. Um, and he'll he'll go forward and be a big player in all the big races. Just one other little bit of news, Bond, that... Um, Michael Guerin's posted a story on the trots.com.au today. Um, the bad luck for, I guess, the bad luck for New Zealand's best trotters chasing big race wins over here in Australia continues. Muscle Mountain won't come over for the Great Southern Star, one of the uh, the star Kiwi trotters. He was uh, planning to head over here, but he contracted a virus uh, around Christmas time and just uh, hasn't come up well from that or hasn't come up quickly from that. So he's just missed too much work and he'll, uh, sadly missed the Great Southern Star Series, but um, we will have Copy That and Old Town Road coming over uh, from New Zealand. I think they're jumping on a plane tomorrow, those two horses, Old Town Road and Copy That for Ray Green and uh, and John Dickey, and uh, they'll contest the Ballarat Cup and also the Hunter Cup. So, yeah, we get some star Kiwi paces, but we miss one of the key 
star trotters out of uh, across um, across the ditch. Yeah, I was thinking about well, I would heard about uh, Muscle Mountain was coming over, and he uh, feels like two minutes ago during the weekend. So that's very bad news. Josh Dickey will be one man. I'm sure he's very happy to hear that Old Town Road. Uh, will be coming over. I'm sure you already knew, but that's an exciting um, uh, opportunity for him, probably. I've got no doubt he'll be doing the driving. Um, and finally, before I let you go, a bit more excitement for you on Sunday. You've referenced uh, a former Kiwi that you might be involved with, uh, involved with and uh, a former Kiwi that went down to another little island called Tasmania on Sunday and got the job done. Once again, Emma Stewart and Clayton Tonkin dominating, but... Um, just went down there and and, uh, and stole some of the Apple Isle cash down there of the $14,000 race. Yeah, it was a nice win. Yeah, so where's the gold, obviously, you're talking about? Um, we've got a, a tiny little share in him. Uh, look, he's taken us on a, a really fun ride already. Um, yeah, I'd hate to know what I'd be like if I owned 100% of him because uh, <laughs> the tiny bit I do own, it, it, the excitement's certainly there. Yeah, he won in good style, uh, had the back row draw, he sat parked, and then... Um, once the second favourite sort of came from the back of the field, Mark Pitt put the foot down and he, he raced away. I think yeah, I heard Duncan Dornos say in the post-race analysis that it was 0.2 of a second outside the track record. So uh, he's gone super. Uh, I just see Bonnie's in again this Saturday night at Launceston in a, another $14,000 race. Uh, he'll probably draw well. He uh, gets in low on the, the ratings there and um, it's over the, the sprint trip. So... I think it's called the Dash for Cash, another $14,000 race. He'll go around Saturday night, and then uh, hopefully it's all systems go towards uh, the Chariots of Fire. If we can somehow scrape our way into that field, um, there's already a few excited owners looking at uh, accommodation in Sydney just quietly as well. So anyway, fingers crossed. It's a lot of fun, and uh, it's taken us on a super ride so far. Outstanding. Uh, a lot of fun for everybody involved, including the big fella family and yourself and everybody involved with Where's the Gold and also a big, big win to his ideal, of course, in the Hobart Pacing Cup. Great to catch up with you, uh, Talk. Thank you for all that information and we'll talk soon. Talk soon. See you, mate. There's Talk. We're going to go for a break here. When we come back, I'll have a quick squeeze at the fields for Shepparton Saturday night, or at least I'll start down the road. You're listening to Tuesday Trots Life with Jason Bonington. Climbing on a sweater already, mom's spaghetti, he's nervous, but on the surface he looks calm and ready to drop bombs, but he keeps on forgetting what he wrote down, the whole crowd goes so loud, he opens his mouth, but the words won't yeah. come out, he's choking how, everybody's choking come now, come the clock's run out, is, time's up, is snap back to reality, oh, there goes gravity, oh, there goes this gravity, is, is actually Tomo doing this on the cruise, that's not even Eminem, it was a massive performance, I hope... Have you, have you posted on socials? You have to post it on socials. It's... Embargoed, okay. Um, we're going to catch up with Paul Cochran very soon to talk about that harness fantasy situation. First knockout's coming really soon at 1 o'clock. So still time for people to get involved. Um, and I reckon if you don't get involved this time, as Maddie Lepard told us, um, there's other opportunities. So what I'm going to do at this juncture is start on having a quick squeeze at the Saturday night fields from Shepparton on Shepparton Cup night, and then uh, we'll return to them after we've had a chat, after we get the news and we have a chat with uh, Paul Cochran, who's the uh, media and brand manager at Harness Racing New South Wales. Opening event at Shepparton is uh, a Metro Maiden type situation with a, a, a one Metro win situation, restricted to horses who have not won more than one race 
with advertised take money of $15,000 or more. It's a 2,190-metre affair. Jarvan Banner has drawn one. Now, we know the horse has got a lot of ability and is a very good leader, but the two runs so far uh, with this camp, now maybe it's changed stables again, I'm not sure, but Jarvan Banner's got more than enough ability, but just hasn't been hitting the high notes since coming back down here to Victoria. Almadiba, belittled Magic Mike sticking along. Awkward draw for Ed. Chipello Beach, awkward. Street Kid was really good last week and has got epic gate speed also if they want to use it. So Street Kid comes into the mix. Collected Gal's drawn awkwardly outside the, outside the front row. And then you've got uh, What Did You Say, who's uh, popped up and won a couple uh, recently and bide our time. So you'd be looking there. I think uh, What Did You Say is going to be in the mix. I think Straight Kid is going to be in the mix. Potentially Zarvan Banner. And potentially bite our time, maybe even Magic Mike. But tricky little race to start the night. If I was going to uh, back to right now, they would be, well, you can't, can you? Because there'll be no odds. But Street Kid and What Did You Say would be at the top of the list. Races two and three, small fields here. Uh, the first one is a Mare's Affair, four years and older. Orby, Kikoa, Changeover Girl, Better Robin, Rocking with Sierra, and Polly Put Kettle on. Really interesting race. This one all be a black book of a Steve Cleave on Metrospective yesterday. Uh, Kakoa went very well through the Vic Bread Super Series. Changeover Girl might be slightly outclassed. Better Robin. Be interesting where Better Robin can get to. Um, uh, sort of showed flashes. We know how good she has been in the past and sh- has shown flashes of that. Rocking with Sierra, who was scratched. Last week, it'll be interesting to see what Rockin' with Sierra can produce and who Rockin' with Sierra is being trained by. Now, I thought it was still um, Craig Hoban, but Cameron Hart's doing the driving. Polly put Catalan's got ability as well. That's another tricky little race. Third event on Saturday night at Shepparton. Shepparton Cup night. Great night always. Another small field, though. Valley Stars, Sanita Strength, Naked Ambition, Morton Bay, Gunning Central Otago and Elder Baron Dino for the Trotters. Now, you'd give... Valley Star, some sort of hope. Sanita's strength, I'm not sure where, where he's at at the moment. Naked Ambition, again, not sure where he's at at the moment. Morton Bay returns from a break, has got plenty of ability. Gunning's just not um, hitting the high notes, unfortunately. Got really good gate speed, but they didn't use it last week, and they still didn't finish off. Central Otago was terrific, and Elder Barandino's got a lot of ability. So this is be interesting here um, where Valley Star's at because and where Morton Bay's at, but Central Otago and Elder Barandino was a horse I've got a huge amount of time for like a massive amount of time. I think Elder Barandino is going to turn out to be a very nice horse down the track, but that's not an easy assignment either. One more race, and then we'll go for the news and then come back with Paul Cochran. Another small field here for a rating 50 to 60 affair. Four-star Saint, Beach Rex, Sweet Creation, Glen Bull, Gate Speed. Normally when he leads, he doesn't hand up. There was some good banter about that on Twitter the other day. Gojo, Ugachuk has got good ability, I think still with John Kendall. Well, Jack Kendall, who's had some nice horses over the years. Uga Chaka, this might be a nice race for Uga Chaka. Delvey Robin and also Stormont Star, who's ticking along okay. So another tricky race, but even though it's first up from a break and the figure form line looks ordinary, I'd be initially leaning towards Uga Chaka, Uga Chaka. Four more races from the eight to look at when we come back from our chat with Paul Cochran. But before we even get to Paul, we're going to go to the news and find out what's happening in the world. And then when we do return, as promised, a chat with um, Paulie Boyd to talk about uh, Fantasy Harness, which is about to kick off very, very, very soon. So time to get involved and we'll give you, give you every conceivable 
detail we can before it does kick off in week one. But even if you miss this week, I think you can still join in down the track. Time for the news. Back with Paul Cochran. You're listening to Tuesday Trots Life with Jason Bonington. Welcome back. Yeah, there's a snake. Uh, welcome back. This is the Tuesday edition of Trot's Life on SEN Track, and we discussed briefly earlier with Matty Lepard. This is day one of Fantasy Harness Racing, a brand-new initiative brought to you by Harness Racing New South Wales, and we're told it is the pet project and the brainchild of a man named Paul Cochran, who um, I'm just going through your LinkedIn here, Paul. You've, is there any place in the country you haven't worked in sport? G'day, Jase. Thanks for having me on the show. I'll tell you what, I've taken a little bit about, little bit away from each of them and, and we've, we've landed on this concept. Um, you know, one of, the, one of the roles I had going back about eight years ago was, uh, was working at the NPL and I had oversight of fantasy sports from a basketball perspective. And um, if we go back, go back uh, this, that horrible time, sort of early last year, I, mean, I was sitting in my bedroom with COVID for two weeks and I was, I was tinkering away with my AFL fantasy team. I was trying to get it in shape, and, and I just had this light bulb, and I thought, "How do we, how do we make this work for the racing industry?" And that sort of triggered a project. And fortunately, the, the board of Harness Racing New South Wales and the executive really backed it, and, and we've landed on today being a super exciting day for Harness Racing New South Wales with the first points to be to be accrued for fantasy harness racing. Now, we'll get to the details in a moment because people have still got a very short period of time to get involved in uh, the yeah. very first round of the first week of fantasy harness racing. But I'm, I'm intrigued because um, uh, somebody who's been around in the game a fair while and, and, and loves to think about these concepts. I mean, there are so many mouths to feed, aren't they? I mean, you're, you're running media brand and marketing at Harness Racing New South Wales and you're trying to think about, well, how do we get people betting? Or how do we get people enjoying the sport? How do we get people people knowing the participants? How do we get people understanding the horses? How do we get them knowing between the two different gates? And there's a lot of different ways to attack this. But I love this concept because you've got – one thing you've really got at your disposal in New South Wales at the moment is a lot of uh, young, attractive talent for other young people to watch and get connected to. So I reckon there would have been a time in your mind where you're thinking, do we do this with horses or do we do this with humans? And, and you, you've thought to yourself, well – We've got the humans here. I reckon we can get other young people who aren't already involved with harness racing to get a little bit connected to and to follow. And and once they do, then hopefully the rest will follow where they get to know the horses and the game and the rest. But if they know the people, the Cam Hearts, the Jack Kelligans and all the rest, the Blake Jones, that that's going to be their entry point. Was that your thinking? Because I reckon you would have gone through the process. Do we do this with horses or humans? Yeah, yeah. You're spot on. It's like, you, it's like you've... Um you step back in time there, Jase. The way it started, an initial concept I drew up actually did have horses and, and, and humans involved. But if you really crunch it down, what, what fantasy sports are is just a curation of data. It's yeah. data that turns into points. And if you put that in a, you know, I know for your audience in there, you know, for footy, you look at fantasy sports, it's, it's really, you know, it's your handballs, your kicks, your marks, your goals. And that's all just pieces of data that are, that are applied to a point system. And, 
If you look at um, the racing industry, our humans generate a lot of data day in, day out. They're racing several times a day, several yeah. times a week. Yet horses really only, they're racing once a week primarily. So they're not actually creating as much data if you look at it in that concept. So the, the humans are where we landed. We thought it'd be a much simpler game. But it also plays to a strategy that when I took this role on two years ago was to really raise the profile of our humans. I, I remember saying to the board at the time, look, our horses are amazing, don't get me wrong, but I am yet to find one that can talk. Yeah. <laughs> if they can't talk, they can't they can't be a you know, they they can't be a hero to our audience out there. You know, and 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 what you said before is so spot on. We've got this younger brigade of such exciting talent, you know, the best in the world right here in our backyard. And you know, and and, and some of the names you mentioned there before, with your Cameron Hart, your Jack Calligans, Blake Joneses, you know, and then even someone who's slightly older again, like a Robbie Morris. Um, uh, just elite at what they do. And we really want to grow the profile of those humans. And I think once we do that, we can really amplify what this sport can be. Because I think the sport in itself can be a sport aside from the gambling arm. And, um, you know, and, and the, the, the gambling side of it means that it's restrictive to a, a number of young mm. audiences. Yeah. And, and that's where our grassroots and our emerging next... Uh, you know, next brigade of, of harness racing fans and supporters and people who engage with the sport exist. And we really want to bring them along the journey. We think fantasy sports is a way of doing that. Uh, again, uh, unfortunately led me to another question here, but I'll, we'll get to the details of the cop in a moment. But I really love what you say about uh, about data and, and even, you know, intense data, algorithmic data, as we know. I mean, that is a punting thing, but young Sporting lovers are addicted to it. Now, when you and I were growing up, we probably loved the idea of stats just as much, but we had the little footy record and just writing in uh, the stats ourselves. There wasn't even champion data back then um, when we were when we were young. Then that evolved, and young sporting lovers are so drawn to it, aren't they? There's, they're so drawn to the data. It means... In a, in a competition like fantasy harness racing, you think you can get an edge, but you probably can't because the data is going to be true and, yeah. uh, and and the prices that are attached to the different drivers are going to be spot on. But this is a way, and I love what you say about uh, trying to get people to enjoy the sport first because, you know what, if they turn into punters down the track when they get older, fantastic. That'll be a contribution to the in- industry. But they might turn into be owners. Uh, they might just turn to be fans. They might turn into people who come to the track and contribute that way because if – if young people don't enjoy harness racing as a sport, well, they're not going to contribute down the track anyway, are they? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you're right about the, the data side of it. I, you know, I'm an absolute stats nerd when it comes, no matter what my sports are. And I, and I think that it, what's been really interesting about that, and obviously this is something that our powder was kept very dry until we, until we went out and told the world about it mm. sort of in early December that this was coming. But we started looking at race meetings with a really holistic view. So instead of isolating races in itself and, and having a and having an interest in a particular race, you start looking at the whole race meeting and crunching numbers. And we're still trying to land on what a good score is in each round. So you start sort of going, you know, like Josh Gallagher's one that we've used as an example, where he had a he had a, a series of great nights at Newcastle on a Friday. And you'd go, right, I 10 points for a win and, and five points for that. Bang, what is that? And and you look at the whole race meeting as a as a complete package as opposed to one-offs. And, and we think there's a... It, it's put a whole new lens on how a race program is looked at. And 
I know that sounds like, you know, that's a whole new way of thinking. It kind of, the truth is it really is. That's that's the way so many of us who have started looking at race meaning from a fancy sports perspective are, are taking out of it. Um, I think I think it's got the potential to be a real game changer for how race meetings are viewed. Yeah, well, even the the uh, I've got to catch up with uh, Team Newenberg and talk to them about their uh, their new website because I think everyone's working out how could, harness racing actually has more data than just about every other sport in the world. We record so much data. So there is an opportunity to be able to recalibrate the way um, the way the sports viewed, and maybe even teach people how to how to see through race meetings a little bit better. Here's a critical key: I don't even know. I know you would have had to explain this um, to colleagues, to the, to the board at Harness Racing New South Wales, to everybody. So you would have synthesised it pretty well. So tell us in in the best way you can, in the most efficient possible manner, exactly how do you get involved? How do you play, yeah. and all the rest. It's a good point because I tell you what, the first round locks out at one o'clock. So if people are listening and they're interested in getting involved, jump on fantasyharnessracing.com. You've got 20 minutes before the first round locks out. You can still get involved, but you're going to miss out on that first week. But what we did, Joe, is we, we started with it. We essentially drew up a list of all the names of the drivers. We worked out who, you know, who drives, rel- um, I guess, enough to, to generate enough, uh, enough data to be able to be part of the game as a starting point. And then we said, well, what are they? What, what's a what's a price point? We we got a whole heap of spreadsheets, and we used we went back five years and and got all the different tracks and all the different finishing positions and everything, and had these bits of paper everywhere, all over the board table, and worked out a price point. So what we've done is we put a price on every driver's head in the game. We've come up with fourteen point four million dollars as the virtual salary cap. And you have to buy a stable of 22 drivers. Now, it's not just pick any 22. Our, our state, under the another legacy of COVID, was we created the TAB Regional Championships back in, in uh, well, three years ago. And the state was split into four boundaries. Yeah. We had the Riverina, the Western Region, the Hunter, and the Metropolitan. So we stuck by that. And, and if you... People listening will probably be familiar with AFL fantasy and... And you have your positions, you know, you've got your rucks, your mids, your, your defenders and your forwards. Well, you kind of need those tiers or those positions to be able to build a game. So we built it around our regions and we allocated drivers to regions based on where they stable. And then you have to pick 22 drivers in, uh, there's a quota per, per region that you have to pick within the salary cap. And then they get points based on their real results. Now we're giving 10 points for first, five for second, uh, three for third, two for coming fourth, and you get a point if you finish outside of the top four but participate in the race. So that so basically their real results turn into a point system, and uh, and that's the game. That is really the game. You get three trades a week, three trades a week uh, to move your your um, drivers in and out. Now, in order to keep it, because we know we're going to be having a lot of clientele who are brand new to fantasy sports the variable pricing system that a lot of people would be familiar with. And that's, and by that, I mean your price goes up and down based on your results each week in a lot of fantasy sports. We have not applied that in, in this year. What we've done is said your price is your price in round one as it will be in okay. round 25 okay. to keep it a bit simpler for people. Yep. And, and so, you know, if Cameron Hart, Cameron Hart's the most expensive driver at 1.34 million, he'll still be 1.34 million in round 25. That's basically what it is, just to keep it a bit simpler. And um, 
you know, it's certainly... I'll tell you what, I spent a lot of time out at Menangle on Tuesdays and, and uh, for the past month and six weeks or so, there's been a lot of drivers were re- very interested to talk about what we priced them at. <laughs> <laughs> I bet they would be. Um, but as, as you mentioned, it's not... Uh, it's not opinion based. Your team is opinion based, but the the amounts for these drivers is based on uh, all, all the data that you have collected. And critically, people are going to have their favourites, and that's that's fantastic as well. And the fact that all the regions have to be covered is is superb because it's going to have people um, making sure that they're watching Tamworth and they're watching Bathurst as much as they're watching Menangle. I just love the concept. I think it's yeah. terrific. And just quickly, noties people get people work out their own way to get notif- notifications to make sure that they. They know when to change their teams, just like we would with other fantasy sports. Yeah. yeah so when they register, they'll become part of an email distribution list, and they'll get they'll get the emails telling them every week. I'll tell you one of the challenges, Jace, that we had was, as you know, in footy, it's very easy to determine what a round is. It's all the games on a weekend. Yeah. As you know, the racing cycle is every day. So what we had to do was say, well, well, what's a round? And what's important with this is is the breathing space in between around to generate the conversation and have the, you know, the, the, the opportunity to trade your players and have a think, crunch the numbers and look at form and all those things. You need that window in between. So we said, well, around will be six race meetings between the first at Menangle on Tuesday and the last at Menangle on a Saturday. So there's 14 racetracks in play across the, the duration of the 25 rounds, but typically uh, it will be... You mean Angle Tuesday, Bathurst Wednesday, Penrith Thursday, Newcastle on Wagga Friday, and Menangle on a Saturday. However, there's 14 tracks in play, so there's variations on that. Now, one of the things I just want to quickly point out to people is we have, as a quirk and a point of difference for our game, mm-hmm. is Group Ones will be worth triple points. So, for example, if you've got if you can have the winner of the Miracle Mile in your team, yeah, right that person, instead of getting 10 points, is going to get 30 points for that win. Mm. And a Carnival of Cups and a Group 2 will be worth double points. And this weekend, the Tamora Cup on Saturday night is one of the race meetings in the in the game in round one in the Riverina, double points for the Tamora Cup. So that's going to bring a whole new element of strategy to how you go about picking your team and do you chase those big points. So we're really excited about that bit too. Look forward with the big Sydney Car- the big Sydney Carnival coming up in in uh, you know in March and yeah. then moving move on to Bathurst and then on to the Riverina. There's going to be big chance for strategic plays. So sometimes, yeah, it's, it's just this is the beauty of it. It's got to be it's got to be fun and strategic because again, I think young people love data and they love strategy and um, the ability to look for and say, well, I like that horse and that there could be a low pro, lower profile driver there that I reckon might be able to win one of those group ones and that'll be double points for me and I can get them at a lower price. I, I just love the whole thing, uh, Paul. I think you've done a magnificent job. I've just registered myself. It's beautifully set up and I reckon it's only the start because as a um, fantasy sporting lover yourself. Um, that change in price down the track, maybe next season, um, drafts, leagues where, you know, only one person can have Cam Hart and the other person's got to have Jack Elligan and all the rest of it. I, I think this is where it's where it's going to head. And already the patronage, given that given that it was such a quiet build-up because you were trying to keep an embargo on it and you've just launched it on people and how quickly it spread, I think you can already sort of – it's already a tick. Uh, and now, you, now we just want to see it – 
be extremely enjoyable. Keep those updates rolling and keep people invested in it. And I think it's only the start. I think it's going to get better and bigger every single year. And we very much appreciate your time having a chat with us. I know you're going to go and want to watch pretty soon because we're kicking off in 13 minutes. Well, we've got history to be made too. The winner of the first race at Menangle this afternoon will be the first ever driver to win a fantasy harness racing points race. No, so, no doubt somebody will be crowing on Twitter straight away as soon as they were, as soon as those first couple of races. Somebody will be crowing on Twitter saying they've won the fantasy competition for uh, the first year because that's what it's all about. Yeah, Jase, it's all about coming up with ways to have us, have people talking talking about the great great sport of harness racing, curating the conversation in a different way, and and we know from a you know, one month in since we went out and, and allowed registrations to start happening, it is definitely on. You know, the conversation has been getting generated nonstop. So, and it, you know, there's a win straight away. And it is a great sport, a great, great sport, harness racing, and I love this idea. Thanks very much, Paul. Go and enjoy. Good on you, Jase. There's Paul Cochran. He's the head of brand media and marketing at Harness Racing New South Wales and the man who came up with the brainchild that is Fantasy Harness Racing. It kicks off very soon. Make sure to go to fantasyharnessracing.com and register your team right now. Time for a break. Back soon. You're listening to Tuesday Trots Life with Jason Bonington. These aren't my tips, by the way. They're a tribute. Race five um, on Saturday night at, uh, at Shepparton. These aren't my tips. They're just a tribute. Um, National News is the excitement machine there. First up from a break. Hopefully he can go well. Race six. Not a bad race. It's my old mate, Cephala. Duke of Dundee's got Gatesby District Attorney. Very uh, exciting. Mangiana. Shorty's mate, Cloud Nine. Hello. Hopefully District Attorney goes really well. I like that horse. I think a lot of people do. Race seven's a big one. The uh, $75,000 neat line home Shepherd and Gold Carpet Group 2 level. Art Tudor, I cast no shadow. Bernie Winkle Cranbin, we spoke about earlier with Tim O'Connor. Cosimo, Serge Blanco, Sicario. Max Delight, Rick Rowley, Interest Free and Majestic Cruiser. Interesting. Uh, I think I cast no shadow. The Inter-Dominion winner will be very, very hard to beat in the final event on the card. She haunts some Captain Boak, Chillin' Heathburn, Bruce, Willie Rain, Rock and Roll Gig. I'll need a better look at that one. Rock and Roll Gig uh, was a good winner at Cobram on Sunday. Heathburn, Bruce has got a little bit of ability, but give me some time with that one. Final break. We'll come back and wind this puppy up before we come back for four big L's of trackside right here on SEN Track. You're listening to Tuesday Trots Life with Jason Bonington. Love Miss Higgins. Um, very divisive character she is of it. Um, goodbye. Uh, that's pretty much it. Uh, a little text from Skeeter. Hey, Bon, if you're banging on a lift to Shep Saturday, I'm going Friday, getting in early so you can find a plan B. Can't believe I'm resorting to the text line to make contact from Skeet. Love you, Skeet. Thanks for the update. And um, over the next couple of days, if anybody wants to give me a lift to Shepparton, um, give us a tinkle on 0499736736, and I'll make sure Tom Bang, uh, if he finds it, lets me know. I'll be happy to get somewhere in Melbourne uh, to get out to Shepparton on Saturday night. So if you're going, um, let us know. Been another great show. Uh, thanks to Paul Cochran. To Tim O'Connor, to Matty Leopard, uh, to Tom Bang, and to the Bond Bang, and to all of us. God bless us all. And I look forward to another four hours now of fun and frivolity.
with Cam Luke, Sammy Holland and the Tom Bang, making sure everything is controlled back here in the studio. Time for me to say au revoir and I'll be back on air Thursday night. But that will be on Live One, as remember as well. The new lids fly on Live One, but also simulcast right here on SEN Track. Be good, people. And if you can't be good, be good at it. Goodbye.